The Paternity Test is a comedy podcast for adults. If you're not a grown-up, get off the internet. It's a horrible place. From Illinois and New York, it's the Paternity Test. This week, holy toilet paper, girlfriend alimony, merry-go-round of death, and Italy for Polish people. And now, three guys who needed a gallon of Trump water to wash down a Trump steak. Here are the dads. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of The Paternity Test. I'm Todd Jay in the Chicago suburbs. I'm Matt Barese in Chicago. And I'm Dave England, upstate New York. Welcome back to the podcast that gives every guest a quarter of a million dollar swag bag. Enjoy your $275 Swiss toilet paper. There's an article out that the bag that they give everybody the Oscars is a quarter million dollars and the Oscars is actually kind of pissed about it because it's making them look like the monsters that they are. I have to... Wonder Swiss toilet paper. Uh, the obvious joke there is that it has lots of holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> but they Why all do still I keep use it. Crap yeah. on my hand. <laughs> Never shake hands with a Swiss person. If you do, wash your hands immediately afterwards. So, <laughs> is the idea of giving these very expensive, even if they're not a quarter million, even if they're ten thousand dollars worth of stuff, is the idea of giving to rich people? Tons of free, expensive products that somehow they'll come out and say, man, I just got this free thing in the bag and it's fantastic and everyone else in the world should go buy it. Like, is, is yeah, that yeah. endorse it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It started with giving everybody a bag of candy on their way out the door and that and then advertisers saw an opportunity to give them a, a bag of million dollar chocolate. I wish they'd give cars away. But they should be a set of car keys in there, like a Buick, like a car no one would drive. I love how Buick always tries to. Is there still Buick? Uh, yeah, there's no Pontiac, but uh, Buick still exists. Whenever, uh, what's his face? Uh, the golfer who cheated on his wife with a thousand women in Vegas. Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woods. Yeah. When he, he, he won a Buick every tournament, the guy must have had 50 Buicks. Right. He's in so many tournaments a year. That's weird. What and happened? Just hoping that, well, he probably gave one to each mistress. Right. One to his mom. Stad's dead. Sleep with Tiger or in a Buick. Or in a Buick. Ugh, was, a Buick. I don't know. I'd have held out for something European. I would have held out for an Oldsmobile. I know, a Buick. That's just, that's all I could think of is my grandfather driving a Buick. I can think of, all I can think of is a car that's constantly in the shop. <laughs> These uh, bags. What else yeah. is in them? Is it, well, it's funny. This. The most expensive thing in it is a trip to Israel, which. There's something cartoonishly anti-Semitic about giving everyone in Hollywood a trip to Israel. <laughs> Why a place where you, first of all, you might get killed. And I know that's probably, you're more likely to not get killed as, a, as opposed to going to, I don't know, Egypt. Still but the Middle East. I'm assuming that that trip's provided by, like, the Israeli Tourism Board or something like exactly. that, right? They, they want photos of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie in, in Israel or whatever. I don't know. No, it's provided by the 12 Jewish people that secretly run the world and the economy. <laughs> it says so right at the bottom of the ticket. Oh, it does Courtesy say it at the bottom of the, of the ticket. Jewish cabal. 
I'm looking yeah. at a picture Wait right a here. How does this work? Because this must be irritating to carry a quarter of a million dollars of stuff out of a theater in your gown. Oh, I'm like, sure they're so annoyed that they've got but to how carry do, But seriously, like, do they... Do you just grab a bag like you're leaving a, a four-year-old's birthday party? Or do they send it to your house? Yeah, because it seems like a quarter million dollars worth of stuff wouldn't fit in a duffel bag you could carry. Or doesn't, is it all just, doesn't every, it just a book of coupons? Is it like when your kid <laughs> It's like an entertainment you, book, yeah. Uh, you know, right. that Christmas present that's like, good for one hug. I'll do the dishes. <laughs> Thanks. It's going to make more of a mess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I'm looking at some of the stuff. It's like a crate of wine well that is that's got to be a voucher or something they, well, that's, yeah. that's probably good for five grand but then yeah. you got another two hundred and forty five thousand dollars worth of stuff to stack on top of the wine crate that you're carrying in your tuxedo i don't know yeah you see God. tom hanks walking out of the oscars with a with a dolly with a crate of wine right well they all who, have assistants who, who wears those like dresses that are about to fall off of you or are just pasties like j-lo kind of dresses yeah you can't imagine them Dragging a wine crate back to the limousine. They all have assistants. They say, take care of this, or a manager, or whatever. No one walks out unless they they want to put on, you know, the $15,000 watch that came in the bag. But I I bet you're right. I bet a lot of this stuff isn't even there. It's just, here's here's a fancy-looking bag with some gold tissue paper, and inside are the... You know how to redeem your how to you know have your oh, assistant yeah. call this That's number probably, yeah. and we'll deliver a cr- crate of wine or come to right. our jewelry store. That's how I would do it. If I owned the jewelry store that was giving away giving every star like a ten thousand dollar tennis bracelet, I'd say yeah, we'll give you a ten thousand dollar tennis bracelet as long as you come come into the store and, and pick it up while you're there. Maybe you'll buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of other jewelry. That's smart thinking, Todd. Hi. Maybe it's just a link. Maybe they give everybody a Chinese fortune cookie slip of paper that, with a link on it when you go to the link you redeem your quarter million dollars with the stuff maybe it's like uh one of their ploys to you know how like in the 80s they used to send letters to the houses of people who had warrants on them to say like hey you want a tv you just gotta go pick it up at this warehouse on the east side of town and then all of these all these people with warrants out for their arrest would show up and they just lock the doors and say you're all under arrest. Oh, that's the best ever because they yeah. all show up for that too. They all show up for it. <laughs> Come for the get free, your free TV, the free, like 1987 tube TV. Yeah, you know? and they probably bring a couple of friends who have warrants out for them yeah, too. Right. You know, so that's what you do. You, you set out a quarter million dollar swag bag, and then you wait for Kate Blanchett and Leonardo DiCaprio to show up, and then you slam the doors. <laughs> <laughs> you're under arrest <laughs> for what? For being fabulous. (laughs) What is the quickest way to be dead? Like, if I wanted to be dead right now. Gunshot. But I don't have a gun. Mm. It says it's really long because you have to, like, apply knives. Find something that's, like, sticking out from your wall that you could impale yourself on and just run into it really hard and make sure it impales you right through the heart. The cardboard (laughs) elephant head I've got on the wall? You think your body, you think your brain would let you do that? Like it would, uh, it would, <laughs> it would just stop. Like, <laughs> like as you're trying to run through the spike sticking out of your wall for some reason, it's it, like term- Terminator Two where he can't kill himself. Yeah, it is. It is funny, right? Like you can throw yourself off a building, but you really can't impale. You have to be mentally ill, right? Because there's been yeah. people who have cut their own throats and stuff, but like yeah. I could not do that right now. As I soon could... as the blade touched my throat, I go, "What? What am I doing? What am I doing?" He's so stupid. Yeah. Right. I think there's degrees of it, right? You could drink poison, 
because it's like drinking a milkshake, right? Like if you uh -huh. said, I have dishonored my family, I will now drink poison and take my own life. You could do that, like with a clear head, right? Right. That's why you but, can step off a building because it's like walking. But right. cutting your own throat's not like doing anything else. It's not like right. shaving. Right. Like jamming a blade into your temple would be, yeah, that takes that takes some like cross wires. And now it's time for, hey, remember the past? Misty, watercolored memories of the way we were. Hey, everybody. So my wife and I was, I was telling her a story about Laurel, this girl I dated in my 20s, and she wanted me to tell it because she thought it was crazy. Matt, you met Laurel. Yes, uh, she was a monster. <laughs> I, I met her once. When did you meet her? I was in New York City. You were dating her in, like, uh, 2000, weren't you? We started dating in 2001, and I broke up with her in 2004. Laurel definitely did 9-11. She was part of it. I don't know. <laughs> I think she was. Look, I can't. No, wait. Did you live with her? We were, not, did we you... were in different states in, on September 11th, so did, I don't know. Did you live with her in an apartment on the, I guess that would have been the east, no, the west side? Yeah, 47th and 9th, we got an apartment together. Yeah, because yes. I've been in that apartment, and I met her. Oh, Okay. Is it Hell's Kitchen? Hell's Kitchen. Uh-huh. She was, uh, you know. Every time she walked out the door, Daredevil fought her. <laughs> he, got his, he got his butt kicked. Um, <laughs> so what happened was my wife's like, how did you end up living with her? And I said, well, I was staying in an apartment with Matt, and Matt was going to NYU, but his roommate went crazy and wanted me to leave because he's afraid they'd get in trouble because I wasn't at NYU. And so then I moved up to Harlem, and this is all like within the span of like two months. So like we, I got right. back. I had a four bedroom place that was technically NYU housing. Yes, and I was with a friend of mine and a stranger that was assigned to us, and the stranger was bonkers. And eventually, he and I got in a fist fight, and somehow I <laughs> sweet talked my way out of. Obviously, when I got in a fist fight with a kid, he complained, and. Yeah. When I went to mediation uh -huh. with Residence Life, as soon as I walked into the mediation place, I noticed that the guy doing the mediation, his sleeves were rolled up. I noticed that he had tattoos. Uh -huh. And then somehow in the first one minute of talking, I found out he was from Chicago. Okay. And then I realized I had this in the bag. Like I was not <laughs> going to get trouble because this person was also a, sh a scumbag from Chicago. And immediately yeah. I turned the tables on the kid and I was like, he deserved it. He had it coming to him. And the guy was like, you're right. So the kid flipped out and, <laughs> and moved out. So the bad news is he narked on you and you had to move out. The good news is he had to move out like five minutes later because oh. I narked on him for repeatedly running his face into my fist. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened so on my on my end of things, I had just gotten back from doing a show. I got back into town around January. I lived with you. The guy went after like two weeks. The guy went crazy, and I found a place in Harlem on 158th Street in Riverside, up from your place on 11th and Fifth. Uh, I li I was sleeping on a couch, and there was an empty room for my stuff, but I I didn't have anything. Like I didn't have a bed or anything. And when I was at your place, I was sleeping on a blown up. What do you call it? Like an inflatable, like one of those air mattress, right? It wasn't an air mattress. It was like one of those, one of those things you lay on in a pool, like a raft. Yeah, it was a raft, <laughs> and it would deflate in the middle of the night, and it was hot. 
<laughs> like, I had the room would get hot, so it would, like, stick to my skin. And then, so I'd go there from there, to, I slept on a futon. And I'm like, this is, I can't do this anymore. Like, it was two months. I'm like, I'm 26 years old. I can't do this anymore. Laurel at the time, we were still dating. And she had, uh, she was living with a girl. And she fought with a girl probably because she was a monster. Yeah, maybe. And so uh, we're like, well, I guess we could move in together, which is kind of what everybody does or has done in New York City. They've moved in out of convenience, not out of love. And so then we got a place, which is a great place, which is awesome. Oh, I so did that. Yeah, you did that too. <laughs> Except you lived in the smallest apartment ever. Which it was in the- Manhattan passes for convenience, living in a 10 by 10 cell with someone you hate. Someone you, like, first of all, when you know you're not going to marry somebody, like, you consciously, like, there's no way I'm going to marry this person. But you move in with them anyway. Yep. <laughs> To save money. Yeah. You know, like, well, I'll just deal with this in two years because I like the idea that I can have a stable relationship and then just go work on my career. I don't want to deal with the relationship right now. And, you know, we, we enjoy dinners together and, you know, whatever. So so we move in together. It's this great apartment. It's, you know, we get like a deal on it somehow. We're paying like 1300 a month to live in the corner of 47th and 9th on the second floor. And it's just right in the middle of everything. And great uh, place, great place, great location, great location, great place. But eventually, our feelings for one another cooled, or at least mine cooled for her. And I just came in one day and I'm like, "That's it, done. We're breaking up, honey." And uh, she lost her mind over the next twelve hours. And it was one of those crazy breakups where, like, she'd be crying and then she'd take a second to like make a phone call to her mom to talk to her mom about it. And then she'd get off the phone and, and like cry at me some more. And then she would call her best friend. And then I would like, she was on the phone. So I would walk across the street to Starbucks and call somebody. And I could see her in the window across the street crying on the phone. <laughs> it was horrible. So then like the next morning I get up and I get a bag of stuff. Like I just get a bag of clothes for the next day or two. Right. And I walk out the door. I literally, I remember looking to my left and to my right. Because I had no, it was like 7 in the morning. It's not like I could call anybody. I had no idea where I was going to go. And so I walked up to Central Park. And I I hadn't slept all night. So I walked to Central Park. And I slept on a bench (laughs) in Central Park. I love that. I love that you were homeless for one day. One day I was homeless. And Joel called me. And I was laying, I was kind of half asleep on a bench in that little walkway with the canopy of trees over it that's in every movie or that in that every like college girl has pictures of in her dorm room. There's a guy playing saxophone like 100 feet from me, which helped me sleep. And I pick up the phone, I'm like, hello? And uh, it's Joel. He's like, what you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to sleep. He goes, is that a saxophone? (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Yeah, I'm in Central Park. Why are you sleeping in Central Park? And so then that the part that really the the part where it gets nasty and weird is something that I don't know anyone else has done before in the history of breakups in New York City. And that is I get an email from Laurel saying, well, your mom had to co-sign on this apartment. 
And if you don't pay your half of the rent until the lease is up next year, I'd hate for your mom to you know, to have her credit ruined if we if I can't pay the rent. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Wow. So at that point, I would have lived I, with her. You know, part of me thought, all right, let's uh, let's game on, game on there. Yeah, right? let's move <laughs> half, back in. Half this apartment's uh, mine then. Right, but I had a life to live and. I wasn't a, I'm not a spiteful hey, Let's person. make this work. I guess let's, I have to love you. I guess I love you again. <laughs> Just kidding about the last 24 hours. I, I was living, this has been a week or so, and I, had, I found an apartment on the east side with Jonas, and it was ex- more expensive. After a month, uh, I, I, was, I was paying rent on two apartments, which no one oh does. God. And I was like, you know what? I can't afford this and when i send her an email i said listen i can't afford to do this she sent me an email back saying well that's too bad and she actually i know because i thought about that before you stopped loving me (laughs) you should have tried harder to love me and you know it's all water under the bridge but at the time so i know because i knew she was waiting tables uh with some people i knew and that i was friends with they told me that she brought she printed the email out took it to work and was showing people mocking me. <laughs> like, this like, idiot. The email where you said you can't afford it. <laughs> like, can you believe it? Can you believe his gall? And, uh, and my buddy Adam was like, Laurel, it seems like this is sort of a plea for help. <laughs> so what ended up happening is I said, Jonas, listen, you're a great roommate. He really was. He was a hoarder of sorts of newspapers and, and kitchen devices. Uh, you could, you, Todd, you'd have been in heaven in that apartment. You could make anything. I said, look, I can't afford this place anymore. And he was super nice. He's like, all right. All right, well, we'll see you sometime. And I moved up to 200, 200 in Dykeman or 200 in Broadway, essentially. Right. That's was, that spot in Inwood where all the streets have dirty names. All the streets have filthy <laughs> names. Um, the, it's the intersection of Seaman, Dykeman, and Cumming. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so I lived up there, and I mean, it was in, it wasn't the hood, but it was the end of the earth. I was a, a you know, a two football fields away from the Hudson River, where a girl had been murdered like a month before, and there had been a stabbing, and nothing was written in English, which, it you know. Was, what, largely Dominican and Puerto Rican neighborhood? Yeah, like there were, it used to be Irish. There's like two Irish bars, which is just weird, and but mainly Dominican, which. Right, PJ holdouts. Yeah. So uh, immediately I felt like a, a man with no country. And look, I love the Dominicans, love them so much. But I have to say, uh, I instantly felt hyper alone. You know what I mean? Because it was a 45 minute subway ride to Midtown which meant that any time I left, I was an hour away from any friend or any person I, I knew. Right, 45 I, minutes to a location that you don't even want to be at. Don't even want to be at, and it was, well, and it was a fifth-floor walk-up, and oh my, my roommate my roommate hated me. This little Chinese gal named uh, Yip, Phyllis Yip, Y-I-P. Phyllis, I remember Phyllis. How did you find she her? Did hate you. My buddy Freddie, uh, who I didn't know very well at the time, had a, an empty room. And so I ended up paying like 350 bucks a month for like a 15 by 15 room. And 
Yeah. It was like the loneliest, worst year of my life. I lived there for about a year oh and it was, God. it was honestly terrible. And then, so yeah. And so after like, and so I ended up paying rent for six months on two places. So when I was living in the hood, you had a place I had a, in Hell's I, Kitchen. I had a place in Hell's Kitchen for six. In one months. place in a Manhattan, you're overpaying. Right. To have two is definitely, I, you must have been paying at least $2,000 a month, right? I would have shown up at Probably. her door with a bag of nickels every month. <laughs> $700 in nickels. I don't look back on it and think of myself as a sucker or anything. I just think about, oh, my God, like, that was, was crazy. Absolutely, it's a crazy time in my life. You should have not moved out. You should have done some sitcom thing where you put a piece of tape down the center of each yeah, room. Absolutely. Uh, was it a one-bedroom place? What was, what was the setup in that? It was a one-bedroom. Okay, so you get the couch and she gets the she gets the bedroom. Right. Yeah. Why does she get the bedroom? Oh, okay, split the bedroom in half. Right. Like get put a piece of tape on the beds. middle of the bed. Yeah. Right? You each have to have a twin bed. Oh, By the just... way, that's not uncommon. I know I've heard lots of stories about people getting divorces, breaking up, and they they stay together in the same apartment, right? And she never so she held you to it for six months. She never wavered. She never said, Okay, just pay a quarter. She never got a roommate. She never like she couldn't have a roommate. It was a one bedroom. Right. She never got a roommate. Well, yeah, cause nobody ever packs people into non-traditional situations in Manhattan. Did well, you mail I, her? I had a friend who lived on a shelf. I had a friend who got a place on, <laughs> uh, what do you call it, Craigslist. And it was a loft where you put your suitcases. And he would come in and he would climb up a ladder and he would go lay on the shelf. And he couldn't, he wasn't even allowed to live there. He was only allowed to sleep there. So at night, he would just hang out in coffee shops all day, and then at night, he would go in, climb onto a shelf, and go to sleep. You couldn't even <laughs> sit up on it. And then in the morning, I, don't, I guess he could use the bathroom, but he couldn't, like, put his shampoo in the shower or anything. No. And he would crawl back out and then go to school and then live at coffee houses. And, and it was expensive. It's expensive, it was... and, <laughs> and it's not like people in New York City, people are like, yeah, you do that when you're young. It's not like people say, oh, that's, that's disgusting. Right, but that's no, you say, how oh, you had a live. shelf. You that's... were lucky. You had a shelf. I had a hole in the wall. Yeah, I knew, but I knew people. Like I remember going to a, a place one night after work, and me and a friend of mine, Bijou, went to someone's apartment, and their apartment consisted of a bunk bed set up, and maybe six by five feet, like a cell worth of space. With no running water and no bathroom. Like you had to go into the hallway where there's a, a, a bathroom that you shared. And we just sat on the floor on mattresses and hung out. Wow. Yeah, that, it was New York. You had to go outside to pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happened a lot. I, I was, I dated people who lived in situations like that. Uh, it was actually more common. The frequency with which I walked into normal apartments was, was not. Not so much as right. Uh, if you saw somebody with running water and a bed and a couch, you're like, "Whoa!" So, hang out there, Lady yeah, Astor. No. What's this place? <laughs> right? <laughs> Who's got rich parents here? So you were in your other place, uh, you know, on two hundredth or whatever for yeah. for a year. You had six months left to pay on the the apartment in Hell's Kitchen. So after you were done with the apartment in Hell's Kitchen, did you stay up there for six months when you didn't necessarily have to? Well, like out of courtesy. Because you signed up for a year or what? It was more out of, uh, all right, now I have no money. 
now I live in a cheap place, so I can try to like build my savings up a little bit. And moving is hard in New York. Like it's really difficult. And and I just didn't want to move right away again, you know. And then on your like on your final payment to Laurel, was there any kind of interaction or like an fu or a, like what was that? What was that like? No, I didn't. You just mail her a check every month, or was there? You guys communicate with each I other? Would just I'd take it directly to the landlord and put it in his hand. Yeah. So that I knew there wasn't going to be any weird, you know, you know, word the check. Or no funny business. Some, yeah, no funny business. Uh, and then she got out of it like a month early and moved up on 112th and Broadway, like right, like you could throw a baseball and hit Columbia's main campus. And she lived up there for, I think for a year. So I, I had to go and, oh, I went up to her place to get the security deposit back. Uh, yeah. And that was the last time I saw her. And now she she's ended in... up marrying Donnie Wahlberg. No, she was in a scene with him, I think, in one of his old shows, not Blue Bloods. And then she moved back to Cleveland. I thought she was his wife on a show. She was, but I think she was his wife in a sh- one of those shows where the wife gets shot and he's and and he's distraught and that's. Oh why he- my gosh! Did you tape that and watch it over and over <laughs> and over again? I never watched it. Uh, I've got it's probably on YouTube now. I don't even know the name of the show. I'll have to look up her IMDb page and see what it is. But that was, I think, that was for fifteen minutes, and then she moved back to Cleveland. But yeah, she was, she did that, and I don't know what I. Is that bad when you have an ex girlfriend that you hate, and then she gets a TV show? You know, it's funny because I, I think if you, if they break up with you, right, right, then it would be painful, right? Like, Uh but I had, I, I was really honestly indifferent. Like, I really like, I completely fallen out of love with her, which is terrible, right? It's a horrible thing, but it, it allowed me to not sulk. If she did well in life, you know? right? Actually, you had lots of guilt, so you're like, "Please do well, so I can." Yeah, right, my right. Hands of these yeah. feelings about dumping exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. So it was actually a good thing. But uh, I know one of our friends. I won't say his name because he'd get really upset. I think if I said his name in New York, had a girlfriend that he really liked. She broke up with him, and then like, got a got a pilot reality show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Her uh-huh. face was all over New York City on ads and billboards in Times Square. And he had like a month or two of having to stare. And it's not even staring at her face. It's the idea that they'll be famous forever. I think, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I can't imagine having a broken heart over Jennifer Lawrence. I think I just step off a bridge. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's too much. Right. Cause yeah. Cause everybody loves them. Everybody knows who they are. Yes. They're in your face. They're in your they face. $250 Swiss toilet paper. And their names sort of mentioned offhandedly. Right. So like you'll hear someone in the cubicle next to you say something about J law. Right. And then the nude pictures and the right. Doesn't she, isn't she so cute with her, that comedian friend, whatever. And so are they always hosting SNL? Oh, right. Did you see J-Law on SNL? This week, your ex-girlfriend and the arcade <laughs> fire. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, folks, you already shop on Amazon. Why don't you put that money to work keeping this show on the air? You can do it by using the Amazon portal on the support page at paternitypodcast.com. Here's what you do when you want to buy something on Amazon, which you probably do on a daily basis. Don't go to Amazon.com. Go to paternitypodcast.com. Click on support. You will see a big link for Amazon. When you click on it, Amazon will open, and that's it. You just do your regular Amazon shopping. It's not weird. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't cost extra. You just do your shopping through our portal, and they send us a portion of their profits which we use to keep this show on the air. Anybody have any Amazon purchases lately? I got a weird situation where something was purchased on Amazon a while ago for me. My mom bought me for Christmas a Air Hogs Millennium Falcon. Drone. Oh, yeah, sure. I saw it on, um, you put it on on uh, our uh, thingy account, Instagram. My mom bought me this quadcopter. Uh, it's a Air Hogs Millennium Falcon drone thing, and I've had it. It's awesome. It's the best thing ever, right? Like if, if you like Star Wars and you want to like relive your past a little bit, so and turn it on, and little fans blow, and then little fans the blow. Um, and it's it's an indoor thing, so you got to have an open space. And I live in a palace, so I've got lots of room. And I've been using it for two months pretty regularly, and one of the blades stopped turning the way the others do. Like it, it just it has some caught in it or whatever. I called them like, well, it's not much we can do because you can't take it apart because it probably won't go back together the right way because it's all garbage plastic made by Chinese orphans, Chinese, yes, slaves in some some no name country. I'm like, all right, well, so what do we do here? (laughs) And they're like, well, we don't normally do this, but how about all right, we'll send you a new one, you know, so they take Mm -hmm. my information and all that. And they're like, but we won't send it until you send us a picture of the one you have with all of the propellers cut off. Oh. So, I, so I have to mutilate my <laughs> my drone, send them a picture of it, which is kind of weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. And then they'll send me a new one. I'm uh, on Monday. I'm going to go well, back. They already had an answer, and it was that you have to cut off the propellers. Not hit it with a hammer, not cover it in maple syrup. Like, they have a particular way they want you to mutilate it right well they know it can't run if the propellers that's the guy um, the guy on the phone that's his fetish he gets he, yeah 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 like, oh yeah cut it off yeah cut off those propellers <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's basically so i'm getting a new one as soon as i send them a picture of their their fetish uh and that's my amazon story for today if you um, like the paternity test, please help us tell other people about it. Subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. It's quick and it's easy and helps us feel good about ourselves, which doesn't happen very often these days. Read our weekly paternity test blog at chicagoparent.com and our monthly column, Viva Daddy, in Chicago Parent Magazine, as well as Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Bronx Riverdale Family Magazines. Let us teach you what to expect when you expect to become obsolete. And now it's time for You Kids Get Off My Lawn. That's where you're not getting this baseball back. You should have thought about it before you hit it over my fence. So I helped out at the Hippy Dippy Co-op preschool that my daughter goes to this week. I was the assisting parent on pajama day. So I got to wear pajamas to preschool. Nice. Were they Pac-Man pajamas? You know, my Pac-Man pajamas are too worn out and they don't make them anymore. I really wanted to wear my Pac-Man pants, but they were a bit threadbare. And, you know, before, as a guy, before you wear pajamas to a preschool, there's some thought that has to go into it. And a complicated <laughs> series of trusses and undergarments. Like, sure. Right. 
You got to make sure they don't have that, just the opening in the front. And most of my, like, pajama pants have a button on that fly, but they still, like, pull open. Yeah, just the way you bend, you know, yeah, they can. It's more of a suggestion of a button. It's it's functional, but it, it doesn't really. It's not like the there's job. four buttons like a button fly. It's no. just a one area that's ruched slightly more than the rest. It's it's really absurd, especially because I don't know of anyone who uses the what do they call it in Britain? They call uh, tidy whities Y fronts. Like who uses those fly things to pee? Like just pull down on the waistband for God's sake, like a human. Right. Yeah, that's too much trouble because you got to go in to the side and back over, and then you're right. getting. And you got to make sure everything pinched. goes back in. Yeah. So you've got these pajama pants that have that you're going to fall out of, but that you never use that opening for for its intended purpose. So I wish they would just make pajama pants be just like uh, denim oh, jeans. What, <laughs> just... what are those horrible workout pants that? Sometimes you see monstrous people in in real life. They're called like Zumbas or something. They were, yeah, think about nineties workout pants, and they looked all neon and had paint splashes on them. Oh, and they're like a little bit like MC Hammer pants, but you would work out in them. But they did not have a fly for peeing through. So, so that is what like the grossest thing ever. Like baggy cotton workout clothes. Yes, that's so exactly what they. So were. you're sweating like inside of this big balloon of cotton and skin well i'm sure <laughs> you just read my eulogy <laughs> that was one sweaty bag of cotton and skin uh but the other thing you got to watch for is that a toddler doesn't walk up and like pull your pants down because you have elastic waistbands on pajama pants too yeah so you gotta right, make sure your pants have that. like a tie Right, because right. all the time, like, how many times do you have toddlers walking up to you and trying to pull your pants down, and well, they can't? Well, they're trying because... to pull themselves up to you or down to them. So, right, because you're a guy. I'm sure we've talked about it on the floor on the on the floor. I'm sure we've talked about it on the show before. But toddlers only know how to react to dads through violence. Right. So, like oh, when it's God. playtime and you're monitoring, half the kids are like a male. I must treat climb them like my him. dad or my brother. I must climb yeah. on them. I must punch them. I must bite them. I must, right? And you're yeah. like, I don't know you, and I'm going to get arrested. Like, please get away. No touching. No touching. Maybe uh-huh. you need suspenders. You need suspenders. <laughs> Pajama, Pajama suspenders. pants and suspenders. Yep. Yeah. You know how to sew duck, a button. Duct tape. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how to sew at all. Like, I don't even really? know how to sew a button. Time to learn. To thread a ne- I, well, I don't know how to thread a needle, but I don't know how you knot it then. Uh, I think you just tie a knot. What's a knot? Like tying a tie twice? I think it's when you accidentally <laughs> put a knot in your shoes. What's a knot? <laughs> I don't mean like That's a like sailor knot. That's the most knot. helpless question like, ever. I don't, I don't mean like, you know, you don't have to have an eye patch and be able to <laughs> slide down a sail with a knife, slowly cutting it in half as you descend. Hi. Oh, hey, hi. what's up? Good. Do you know how to tie a knot? Mm, no. Can you tie your shoes yet? Uh, a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, teach your dad because he doesn't More know how to dad. tie a knot. <laughs> I went to Disneyland and I'm back. Oh, nice. thank goodness. I'm so glad you came back. It's awesome. What was your favorite part? I like the flying dumbos. Oh, me too. Oh, I love the flying dumbos. Do you like how you can make them go up and down yourself? <laughs> That's the best part. 
Did you get to play in the little playground while you're waiting to go on Dumbo's flying ride? Yeah. That was pretty cool, too, huh? Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way kids just... Bye. Done with this conversation. Hope you you bore too. me, old man. You're like the 30th adult to ask me about Disney. I'm walking away from this conversation. Uh, right? Actually, she Bye. walks in. That's her first... Uh, that's her opener. Like, even if she walks into a store, she yeah. walks right up to the register and says, I just got back from Disney World. <laughs> that's great. So it's like so subversively pretentious. You're like, oh, she can't possibly. She's not bragging. It sounds like she's bragging. <laughs> it, yeah, right. It's, it's, it makes me look like a douche somehow because she's like, hey, hey, we can afford a vacation. Walk up and tell these people what <laughs> took you. <laughs> Make sure you mention they were park hoppers. <laughs> Make sure you told them daddy gave you the fast pass. <laughs> Tell them how many characters you met. Tell them you got princess time. I didn't get princess. Tell them you got princess time. <laughs> Where were we? Daddy needs this, honey. Say it. <laughs> Say it. Daddy has so much. Uh, we were talking about uh, oh, uh, the preschool. Slightly tangentially to my experience at the preschool, something else related to my grumpiness and out-of-touchness with current youth. Uh, yesterday, we went to a playground and... I think we've mentioned on the show before that playgrounds no longer have merry-go-rounds on them. Yeah. Have you noticed this? I mean, when's the last time you saw a merry-go-round? I'm sure the Reagan uh, era, right? Last time I was on one was when I fell underneath one in first grade. And like, Presumably that's why they going. don't have them anymore, right? Right. Because you would be ground into pulp underneath. I was, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all scraped up and scratched up. Yeah, you fall, you trip because all the kids are running in a circle as fast as they can. You trip. You fall, you're trampled, and you're, you fall under the merry-go-round and you're squished. So they seem to have gotten rid of them. I have not seen one forever. Yesterday, I saw a merry-go-round again for the first time. But it seems like the solution was that they had put a 10 or 12-foot mast in the middle of the merry-go-round mm -hmm. and then yeah. suspended a heavy rubber net that you could climb up from the top of the mast to the edges of the merry-go-round. So it created a giant cone. Problem it, solved. It's <laughs> unbelievably worse because now you have thunder cone. You have sure. it's climbing up a 12-foot <laughs> ladder that spins. I don't know how this, this thing was even legal. I mean, it looked neat. My kid brain was like, I want to climb on that right now. Because you could climb on the inside of the cone up to up 12 feet. You climb on the outside of the cone up 12 feet. But then when the kids start running, you're 12 feet in the air and you're spinning in a circle. It's great, though, I think, because as opposed to being bludgeoned underneath a merry-go-round, you are unconscious when you hit the ground from 12 feet up. Yeah, you'll be thrown clear of it. Thrown right. clear of it. You're right. running in a circle, yeah. Right. Uh -huh. oh. Well, the only good part I would say about this is that it would keep you, because one of the about the old the old you know merry-go-round things is that you know your older brothers and sisters would spin spin you around and all the little kids would start flying off from the centripetal force at least in this one if you get inside thundercone and then they spin you you're not going to fly off that you is clearly what the guy who pitched thundercone at the park district meeting said like <laughs> look i've put a net around this so you can't fly off the merry-go-round and everybody said bravo merry-go-rounds are back and they built it and nobody <laughs> thought well what happens if you climb up the net Maybe if it was like an electrified net or a barbed wire net or something, you would be disinclined to climb up. Yeah, or like the top half of it should have had a solid surface so you couldn't go up a certain height. 
Oh, there you go. There's the stainless steel, a hot stainless steel cone. (laughs) Right. Or like broken glass at the top so to deter kids from trying to climb. There you go. There you go. You could have put like a mesh kind of that goes down down the pole and then connects at the bottom. So if a kid does fall, he just slides, basically falls and then comfortably slides into a child who's sitting on the bottom and knocking them off instead. Viva immediately was, there were still doorways so that you could climb into Thundercone. And mm-hmm. she, while all the kids were running in a circle because she's only four, decided it would be a good idea to get off. And as soon as her feet touched the ground, she started to get dragged underneath the mm. merry-go-round. And then all the parents who were standing, because it is not the 80s, so the, every parent was on the playground standing two feet from their kid, hovering, helicoptering, waiting for something bad to happen. And so both myself, my wife, and 50 other people immediately dove in to get her as she was being pulled to her doom underneath the merry-go-round. How are you ever going to learn if you don't let them get sucked under once, though? Right? How can she learn about the danger of merry-go-rounds? If she doesn't get killed by one when she's four. (laughs) Well, my kids are constantly suffering that type of fate by their own hand. They never learn. They don't have a healthy fear of anything yet. I think cars. I think other than cars running into a street i still feel like well, it's because they're twins so they're always in a group and so they're more confident right like they always have a peer there to encourage them to do stupid things yeah i would think that being a twin would make you braver well it definitely makes you stop thinking about the the small dangers in the house because you're you're running you're cli- running up steps climbing you know running down steps you know running around sharp corners of a countertop there's stuff on the floor everywhere because they just keep dumping more toys and leaving them. And well, yeah. remember when we bought Todd a bird, and then the bird got depressed because birds are supposed to be in flocks. So Todd got a second bird, mm-hmm. and the first bird had been trained. But as soon as the second bird came into the house, it oh. untrained the first bird, yeah. and then both birds dive bombed all the guests and bit everyone's fingers off. I would think that's how twins would be all the time. Like, why should I listen to you? I've got this other person here who agrees with my complete lack of sense well what happens is they they're lovely children and they behave in social situations and public situations very well but when they've got extended family around then they know that the potty talk is a little freer they know that because all these adults (laughs) love them then they can run it like today we were upstairs having breakfast nick's sister and her fiance are here for the weekend and the girl's start stealing everyone's socks and then they go and get their socks out of their drawer and they start throwing socks up in the air into this this mushroom cloud of socks that then fall two stories to the foyer and the the front entrance and you know we're telling them to stop but sort of half-heartedly and they're not listening and and it's sort of innocent because i know they're not going to do it any other time but we still have to have a very special episode talk when you know, their aunt and soon-to-be uncle leave. And that sort of stuff happens all the time. Well, how about girl stuff? Because the, the other thing I want to mention that I noticed at the preschool is that, so I complain endlessly about boys on this show, that I think mm-hmm. boys are worthless. And I feel like I can say that because I'm a boy and I feel that I'm worthless. But I noticed that playtime and things at the, at the preschool, the boys, even at four, largely have independent play. Like they play, I mean, uh, what do you call it? Parallel play? Like, they play next to each other, but they're largely committing feats of strength and athleticism next to one another as opposed to 
truly interacting. Does that make any difference? Any sense? Yeah, they're much more. They're much happier to just pull apart strands of a wool rug than they are to talk to anyone else. They're, they're, you know what I mean? There's a lot more destruction happening. Well, what I noticed about the girls, so the boys get stand next to each other and run really fast, or stand next to each other and jump off things and don't really talk, and they, there's a fake air of social about it. The girls immediately seek each other out and get into fights, like get into arguments. Mm-hmm. And clearly they're play-acting social situations in some way because they're definitely, deliberately, like they all pair off and then get into arguments. And so all the negotiating and mediating, like the whole day I was there, there were two boys who got into basically fisticuffs. Like yeah. they got into a physical altercation. Like most guys, the teacher had to come over mediate with them for a second and then they were fine and they were fine for the rest of the day and there was no ill will over the fact yeah. that they had just been punching one another the girls pair off get in a fight and then are super hurt and angry at each other for the rest of the day and like sulk and sit in corners and are destroyed and this is at four and I feel like that never that's then how girls continue to operate for the rest of their lives well we can certainly say that's how that's how it is for the rest of you know, the rest of their own, their natural life. Yes. Um, I don't, I don't experience that with my daughters in part. They don't do that. They don't like, no, they're like, they're they're best friends. No, I mean, they do have little squabbles here and there and they'll come in and say, Jojo said that I'm not her best friend. And they're, but then they're over it in 10 seconds. If you can make them laugh or smile, they're over it. I think they hang out with boys mostly uh, during the day. And that may have something to do with it. Probably not Um, a bad, thing because then they're then they're the smartest boys in the room well exactly they're the most advanced boys in the room and they they learn that you know it just hurt each other's feelings and move on you know get over it because yeah. y'all gotta live here y'all gotta stay in the same house right you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna this the, this is the one person who's gonna be laying is sitting next to you when you're in your deathbed so you know get along it's an important lesson to learn early on you know oh it absolutely is i Todd, you have, well, Dave, you have uh, a thousand brothers, but how yeah. much younger than you is your nearest brother? Four and a half years. See, so there's a big difference there. So I feel like maybe oh, yeah. you didn't fight, but like I find young brothers impossible to be around. I don't know, Todd, were you and Corey <laughs> impossible to be around as tiny children? We had our ups and downs. We fought a lot. We would get some physical altercations and. He was forced to hang out with me a lot growing up because, you know, in the 80s, we were just kind of on our own. So I had to follow him around. Uh, you know, we'd go go with his friends and I'd be with them because he had to watch his little brother. So he sure. kind of resented me for that. We really didn't become good friends until he was probably 18 and I was 15. Like he was. So was being around you for the first like 10 years of your life or 14 years of your life. Was it just constant screaming, punching, running around? and Not constant, but yeah, there were there was a lot of fights. There's a lot of, uh, you know, everything was a competition. Everything was, you know, me trying to be a part of my what, whatever my older brother was doing is, and him trying to avoid hanging out with me, you know, <laughs> at any cost. And so there'd be a lot of punching and kicking and, you know, things would escalate slowly. Like they would, you'd be fighting over something, but it would start with a little, a little dig here or there or just, and then all of a sudden one of us would just Until completely. Someone was on fire. Yeah. Well, you know, someone would lose their temper and we just completely go off on the other with a, you know, my, my favorite thing to do was to punch my brother in the middle of his back as hard as I can when he pissed me off. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh my God. You know, you hear that loud thud. 
<laughs> yeah, I did that. Uh, my brother and I would race around the house. And I remember one time he beat me in, in my mind. I'm like, how can my younger brother beat me in a race? It's silly. We're racing around <laughs> couches. And we, of course, we're not racing to a finish line where we can slow down. We're racing to the front door. We're like full steam, slamming our bodies <laughs> in the front door. So when I got there, he was already there, and I smacked him on the back of the head and knocked his front tooth out. <laughs> and it was a baby tooth. So, you know, it's all good. But that's exactly what you're saying is how it was. Like, I spent a lot of my time trying to be alone, right? Because I had four younger siblings. I tried to get away from the chaos. And they spent their time trying to find try, you, trying to find me. And then I would spend my time torturing them. I'd upset them. I'd get in trouble. It was, yeah, and it was a constant. I don't know. I don't know how my parents didn't murder us. I don't understand how we're all alive because we were, it was crazy. Well, and we shared a room. About it. My brother and I shared a room for a good chunk until. Same here. Yeah. Until he was uh, uh, in high school. And then maybe we got our own rooms, but. Yeah, we shared rooms through, uh, up until I was in high school, I shared a room with Drew. And we were in a tiny house. It was a three-bedroom house with five kids. My Dirk, Darren, and Amy shared a room. And, you know, that got odd. So then we had to get a new house. Well, what encouraged the fighting is that we, you know, in the 80s, we watched WWF. Oh, my God. All the time. So everything was, you know, I'm going to put you, I'm going to do this wrestling move on you, which the wrestlers knew how to do safely. We were actually doing it to each other. It's right. weird that you know more, I mean? more kids didn't die of that in the 80s. They yeah, were rehearsing you know, it. Playground, it was constantly playing wrestling, but they were doing pretend moves that would actually murder you. Like, if you DDT'd someone, yeah. you would instantly DDT. paralyze them. We would actually try and do that to each other. We would. I know. Yeah. Like, here, uh, just get upside down for a second. And uh, what are you going to do? Nothing. And then you drop them on their head and hear their necks snap. Yeah. I can tell you how many times my brother's like, here, let me, I'm going to suplex you. And it's like, wait, you're going to pick me up and slam me on my, on my head and neck? Yeah. <laughs> or the, or the, what was the crab? What's the, what's the king crab or oh. what is it? It's, oh, it's the best. Actually, there was the one, the one that. Camel I, clutch. The camel clutch. Yeah, camel clutch. I would do that to my brother, the camel clutch. And, oh, I was the one. <laughs> You do the one where, like, you get your – you lace your fingers together and put it under their chin and pull yeah, it and that's sit the on them. Clutch. You put yeah. their arms their over your back. knee. Yeah. It's so degrading. Like, it's it's such a humiliating – even as children, I could – I remember feeling like this is – I am completely dominating this other human being. <laughs> dominating you. <laughs> it felt wrong. Yeah. But I had to do it because he's my brother. And yeah. it because I was an evil Iranian. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> that, was, that was his, I guess that was his move. I always liked the moves that looked like you weren't doing anything to the person, but somehow they were painful. Like when they do that, like the scissor locks or something. And one guy, like the ultimate warrior would be laying there on the ground and Hulk Hogan would be writhing in pain, but it didn't look like anything. It always confused me. <clears throat> yeah, they would just have their arms wrapped around and the other guy would make would do all the they would control the movement yeah you know and make it look like they were in pain but the other guy was just kind of you'd grab the other person's head or something and then they would grab your arm so that they can control the movement and make it look like you're throwing them around but really right, they're right, throwing right, themselves right, right. Around. it's like a stage hair pull yeah where exactly you, you would just put your fist on someone's head and they grab your wrist and then they they're, control this yeah. 
it's it's terrible because it works on a stage where the audience can only see one perspective. But when you've got cameras coming from eight different angles, like, oh, look, that guy's faking his own, you know, toss into the audience. Yeah, I love the uh, something that always caused problems on the playground was in wrestling. They grab a guy by the arm and pretend to sort of whip him towards the ropes. And then the guy would run at the ropes, bounce off the ropes, run back at you, and then you'd clothesline him. Yeah. But when you try to do that on a playground, you realize that when you grab someone by the arm and just like push them towards something, they just they stop. don't they just stop. <laughs> like they, unless they're completely complicit in it, they don't run towards <clears throat> the rope and bounce back at you. Yeah, there's never enough momentum for them to come off that rope and keep coming at you at the same speed you threw them at the ropes. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what the hell? This worked for leaping Lanny Poffo. <laughs> Social media isn't just for telling people how a vote for one person is actually a vote for someone else. It's also for us. Like our page on Facebook, share our posts, and follow us on Pinterest, Instagram, at The Paternity Test, and on Twitter at The Dad Test. Send us a question or a comment for The Paternity Test mailbag. Just email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at our phone number, 657-BAD-DADS. And now it's time for Holiday Road. That's where we pay extra for tiny versions of our toiletries. Well, I've got a trip coming up here. I'm going with Kelly and her choir students to Italy for 10 days. Nice. We're leaving the kids behind with the uh, between my in-laws and my stepmother. They're going to be watching the kids because uh, they're, they're, they're in school. Kelly's on spring break that week, so kids are in school. So we're going to be in Italy. I'm tagging along. It's funny because I went to Italy in high school with almost this exact same itinerary. So I was kind of hoping we'd do, you know, but where else are you going to go in Italy besides the main? If you're taking a tour of kids to Italy, you're going to go to Rome, Florence, Venice, you know, Pompeii. Uh, I think we're going to Pisa. You know, we're just hitting all the tourist attractions. So, which is what I did when I went in high school. So uh, the first thing I'm going to try and do is I got to go through and find all my pictures from 1997 and see how many I could recreate. Oh, that's awesome. Of me there, you know, 30 years later. No, not, is it 30 years? How many years 20, has it been 20 since 1997? Years. 20. 20 years later. So that's one of the things I'm going to try and do while I'm there. And uh, The other thing you should probably do is reconnect with the son you probably conceived on your trip <laughs> in high school, because he's almost 25 now. Yeah. <laughs> so there probably wouldn't be any hard feelings. At this point, no. he's starting to become a, you know, a man, an independent person. It shouldn't be that hard to find, like, a thick-fingered Polish guy in Italy walking around <laughs> as soon as you get there they'll be like you look like young marco <laughs> J," and they'll find him for you he's probably famous so he'll be on billboards i'll just see this it looks like a, a young me or selling, at, you know, at the very the, least in a circus somewhere the only the only the, the polish <laughs> sausage king of italy right <laughs> <laughs> before we leave for italy what i i've realized that i really need to take care of and i don't really know how to go about doing this in the short time frame, because I imagine this sometimes takes a little bit longer to do officially and legally. So I feel like I need to have, because Kelly and I are both leaving the country together and we'll be on the yeah. same plane, that we should probably have like a will in place, you know, in a state plan or something, if we don't make it back. Isn't it a little late for that? Doesn't that take more than two weeks? You know, if you don't have a will, and I don't have a will, so, uh, and of course, as soon as my wife hears this, she's going to immediately walk from wherever she's listening to the show to me and say, why don't we have a will yet? So thanks for that, Todd. You're 
just as likely, you're more likely to get killed driving to work today as you are on your trip to Italy. So I don't think right. you need it more for this trip to Italy. <laughs> no. Life insurance is what you need. I have the life insurance. We're good there. Courts, but... courts are going to decide who gets the kids, and the kids are going to get everything. But so... the problem is it's going to eat up all that money. Like everything's going to go to probate, and it's going to, and all of our life insurance money is going to get eaten up in legal fees while they figure all that out. Would you expect anybody to fight about who's going to get the kids? Won't they just go to your brother? You take them. No, no they... you take them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, what the fight's going to be. Well, there might be that because I mean, my, you know, my stipulation is that whoever get, like the kids aren't going to move to Milwaukee. You know, I guess he doesn't have kids, so Ugh. like maybe they'll be more inclined to move it in with move the kids into with somebody who has kids. Like the courts, no, the ki- I, whoever whoever is taking the kids needs to needs to keep them in there, like keep them where they are. Right, they got oh, to move schools? to your town. I would think, like, I just don't. You know, it's only temporary. It's only for like ten years, and then they're both out of school. And Damn, actually, no, young. eight years, eight years, at least ten. So well, if you die today, someone I mean, you, you've got five, six years left. But if I if we die and you know on our way to Italy. You know, knock on wood right. that we don't. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's been it's been bothering me that I don't have anything in place for a trip like this. Not that, like you said, not that we're doing anything dangerous. We're not going rock climbing in Italy. We're going on walking, guided walking tours. We're not even going to be out on our own where we could accidentally walk into some danger. We'll be with right. It's guided not Afghanistan. It's not even <laughs> Serbia. You're not going to walk across a minefield. Well, I'm still going to wear a flak jacket the entire time. Yeah, that's the, a good the, idea. the worst thing that could happen is that you'll come back lazier. <laughs> right. You come back right. disinclined to work. I'll always, yeah, I'll just stop working every day from like <laughs> noon to two. You'll, be, you'll force yourself to buy more expensive coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. You may fall in love with your wife again. That's the worst thing that's going to happen. Right? Well, Those <clears throat> plans of abandonment are going to get thrown in the trash. We're with 100 people. A group of a hundred, so it's not like we're going to get a lot of alone time in Italy, where no. we can stroll the streets of Venice, holding hands and go explore and have a glass of wine. I mean, we're it's work for her, and uh, I'm just tagging along. Are you going to be able to break off on your own? Are you there are might... you stuck with her who who is stuck with children? I think I can. She's stuck with children a lot of the times, but if there's something, if they're doing an activity where I don't need to be there, I could probably go off on my own. Yeah. I would love to like rent a rent a little scooter and like you know just drive around the streets of Rome. You must do that. That's the case. Then definitely get a will in place if yeah. you're going to ride around on the <laughs> of Rome. Yeah, come on. They drive on the right side of the road, so it's not like I've got to get used to that. Oh, it's not about that. Like they drive. It is insane. I know. I know. I've been. I've, on... I've actually driven in Rome, and it's it's crazy. It's fun. It's fun because I'm I'm a, an aggressive driver, so I enjoy it. But you, you d- dive right in there. Well, I've been on like tour buses in Rome that I've I've certain we're going to drive off the side of this mountain as we were going past other buses. And it's I don't know how they do it. So I probably um, drive off the side of the mountain from time to yeah. time. <laughs> well, <laughs> another reason why I might need a will. I might just also eat myself to death. So that's another thing I should watch out for. Yeah, you need I got to figure out how to smuggle gelato back from. Italy into into the U.S. in your stomach. Gotta bring my gelato pants, <laughs> <laughs> just like just a uh, lined pants, like the yeah. <laughs> like the uh, '80s pants we were talking. About. Oh, I I did find there was the Zubas 
is what Zubas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to get some Zubas that have an extra lining in them. Uh-huh, like, thermal oh. lining in the Zubas. Yeah, like a sil- so I'm going to fill it yeah. with gelato and try to make it back on the flight. Ice packs okay. and gelato. You got to get Matt to sew some elastic into your pants. <laughs> halfway, <laughs> halfway over the Atlantic, I won't be able to feel my legs. Yeah, because if you get away from Kelly, you get a, you've got this amazing opportunity to secretly eat the best food in the world. It's just going to be, I'm just going to stop in every small little shop and get like a half a loaf of bread and some Italian lunch meats and cheeses and just sit on the street and eat oh, all the God. time. That's all you need. Like, I don't even need to sit in restaurants. Just let me no, grab. Like, yeah, you don't want to. Let do me that. grab some fresh bread and some lunch meats, some, you know, and uh, and cheeses and just yeah. eat. It'd be spend, fantastic. Spend like eight Eight pounds and a or eight whatever eight euro rather eight pounds get some yes. get some English eight money. Pounds. I'll eat yeah. eight pounds is what I'll be doing. No 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 yeah, let's get like eight euros and buy yourself one of those pizzas. Oh God, Rome is yeah. the best pizza ever. Kelly and I might be able to do like some evening strolls maybe because there's a couple nights on the itinerary where I saw where you know everything ends at like six thirty and you're back at the hotel. Yeah, and so we could probably just go out for a walk or whatever if we want to. But the kids, Ellie is Ellie is uh, giving us the biggest guilt trip you could ever. Uh, well, you would think that we were actually sending her away to boarding school for the rest of her life or something. But she is right, devastated. We go to kennel while we go to Italy. Yeah, we're gonna lock her in a cage while we're gone and just leave some scraps of food out for her. She doesn't realize how spoiled she's gonna be. First of all, she's in school, so it's gonna go by fast. She's gonna be busy every day. She has different practices and things to go to. She's not going to sit around and, like, you know, scratch out lines on the wall how many days till we get back. (laughs) She's going to be busy. Didn't she go to Disney last year? It was, yeah, just a year, a little over a year ago, a year and a half. Maybe we went to to, uh, Disney. Yeah, you can backhand her. (laughs) I (laughs) I mean, there was an option to possibly, like, pay and also bring the kids. And Alex, I guess, would have, would have, I just don't feel, I feel like at 10, with all the walking tours that are scheduled, that she would have been, it would have been a constant. Are we done? When can we go home? Are you know? When can we go back to the hotel? Yeah. When can I? Yeah. We'll do a death march. Yeah, she, she does not want to walk through the Colosseum, uh, you know, or stare at the David in Florence. Oh my God! So can why you imagine am I watching Venice? <laughs> yeah, well, imagine her in Venice getting when you guys are eventually getting lost in those in those you know cavernous little walkways. Yeah, she'd lose her mind. So no, it wasn't. We weren't gonna. We we chose not to bring kids because I don't think they would have enjoyed it. I'd, I would love to take the kids to Europe a different time. Yeah, when they're older yeah. and they they want to go. The only thing she think she think when she thinks of Italy, she's like, oh good, I'll go and just eat buttered noodles for a week. She, she's just <laughs> unlimited pasta. She thinks she thinks going to Italy is like going to Olive Garden. I think exactly that's probably what a lot of people think. And yep. if you're well, if you're Olive Garden, that's what you try to tell people. Right. It's just like oh. Italy. When you're it's here, like going to Italy, they give you free breadsticks at the airport. Yeah. Well, folks, it's time for another episode of the Paternity Test to let the kids ride on the outside of the Thunder Cone. Follow us on Twitter at the Dad Test. Like us on Facebook. Or do other things. I guess you can do other things on Facebook now, right? You can smile. You can cry. You can. They have all those other. Oh, you can heart. Yeah. Heart us on Facebook and visit our website, paternitypodcast.com, or email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com. Catch us Tuesdays at chicagoparent.com or call our voicemail at 657 Bad Dads and let your friends know about the show. 
Also, consider a donation to the show via our PayPal link at fraternitypodcast.com. All right, everybody, remember, it's never too late to teach your children to settle their differences with a well-executed sleeper hold. And until next time, best of luck passing the paternity test.